Take your copy of God's Word. I hope you brought it with you this morning. Open it to the end of John's Gospel, or almost the end of John's Gospel. John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31 is where we will be this Resurrection Sunday. John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31. When I was a kid, one of my favorite things to do on Sunday, I don't know why, I was weird, that's fine, was to take the Sunday paper. We had a subscription to it then. Uh, I see when I walk the dog in the morning that other people still have them. I don't, but we'd take the Sunday paper and I would go immediately to the Sunday comics section because when you're a kid, what else matters? And on the back side, the very last page of the Sunday comics was always a little panel illustrated, fully colored, that I went to first every time. And it was Ripley's Believe It or Not. Robert Ripley, in 1918, began a a comic strip of sorts that would communicate. He started with uh, feats of of sports excellence, and and it moved on to other strange and and weird facts that he would would write about and illustrate and uh, eventually became syndicated and was carried in national papers like we have it today. And There, Robert Ripley would tell stories about all sorts of weird things, strange facts, bizarre events of history that unless someone had told you about it or you had seen it with your own eyes, you might not be likely to believe it. Certainly, the resurrection of Jesus 2,000 years ago would have been a fitting subject for Ripley's Believe It or Not. Believe it or not, 2,000 years ago, a man claiming to be the Son of God, the promised Messiah, the Savior of the world, who was crucified on a Friday, was raised from the grave in power and victory, never to die again on Sunday. Amen. Believe it or not. And many hear that claim, an often unbelievable one, that Jesus was raised from the dead and don't believe it. Not all of them are enemies to Christ. Some of them were the ones that were closest to Jesus, who heard the claim and didn't believe it. In John chapter 20, verse 24, we read about just such a one who spent three years with Jesus and said, unless I see it, I won't believe it. Thomas, the one disciple who initially doubted this unbelievable event. John writes his gospel and he tells us this story that took place actually about a week after Jesus was raised from the dead. But he tells us this story about Jesus' appearance to the disciples and to Thomas to point all of us who read this gospel to the fact that there is reward, there is blessing for those who live by faith in Jesus, even though we have not seen him with our own eyes risen from the dead. Friends, this is the main idea of the text this morning. It's a call really for all of us to receive life today by believing in Jesus. Receive life today by believing in Jesus. Because of the credible testimony of eyewitnesses, Thomas included among the other disciples and many others, we can be Jesus-believing, spiritually living people. This is the blessing and the promise of God's word. Would you stand with me uh, as you're comfortably able to honor God as we read his word? John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31. John, the disciple of Jesus, eyewitness to the resurrection, writer of this gospel, says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them, with the other disciples, when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, "Unless Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and believe, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. 
Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. And he said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. John says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is God's word. You may be seated. This call to receive life by believing Jesus is revealed to us in the course of these verses that we've read through the statements of three different individuals. First of all, Thomas, who says, I won't believe it until I see it. The day of the resurrection, Jesus appeared in a locked room where his disciples were and showed them the nail marks in his hands and the hole in his side. But Thomas was absent at that meeting. We read in the, just the verses just above where we were, John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. On the evening of that day, the day of the resurrection, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. The disciples, having seen Jesus that day, uh, Thomas, who shows up a little bit later, they tell Thomas, Thomas, we, we saw the Lord. We saw him with our own eyes. Holes in his hands, hole in his side. He talked with us. And Thomas says that first resurrection Sunday, having missed the appearance of Jesus, Unless I see him with my own eyes, unless I touch him with my own hands, I will never believe. He actually uses a a double negative in the original language in which this was written. It's like, I won't never believe. He is doubly certain of his unbelief unless he sees Jesus with his own eyes, touches him with his own hands. Thomas will not believe the many evidences even of the resurrection at this point. It's the first day of the week, the day of the resurrection. Already there has been the empty tomb. Already there has been the testimony of Peter and the other disciple, probably John, along with Mary Magdalene, who saw the empty tomb, who looked inside and saw no one there. There's Mary's testimony of the appearance to Jesus, uh, appearance of Jesus to her in the garden there outside of the empty tomb. And now we have the appearance of Jesus to the 10 remaining disciples, minus Thomas and Judas, who had committed suicide the night Jesus was betrayed. Even in light of all of this evidence, Thomas will not believe until he is seen with his own eyes and touched with his own hands the risen Savior. Friend, if this is you this morning, if you consider yourself one who struggles to believe unless you see it with your own eyes, you are in some sense in good company with the disciple Thomas. Uh, Thomas was with Jesus for three years. Thomas saw the signs, he saw the miracles, he witnessed all that Jesus had done. He heard Jesus teach and tell the disciples that the Son of Man had to be betrayed and delivered up to be crucified and then raised again on the third day. 
And still he struggled to believe. Let's be honest, the resurrection is a difficult claim. It's a massive claim that should be treated seriously. There are some who said, I don't believe the resurrection because people don't rise from the dead. And as much as that is true, that's why it makes this resurrection so important. Because people don't just spontaneously rise from the dead. It's a massive claim. It's a claim that should be taken seriously, though. And Thomas recognizes this. Unless I see him, unless I touch him, I won't believe. Thomas goes even further to to give conditions about how he will believe. I'm not going to believe unless I have a personally curated sign that fits all of the criteria that I need. I need to see him with my eyes. And not just touch him with my hands, but I need to put my finger in the hole in his hands. I need to put my hand in the hole in his side. Then I'll believe. Then I'll believe. In this way, Thomas' disbelief, apart from the miracle, apart from the sign of Jesus appearing to him, is not altogether different from those who saw signs and still disbelieved over the course of Jesus' ministry. Or who would only believe if they saw signs. In John chapter 6, Jesus, at the beginning of that chapter, chapter, divides fish and loaves, multiplies them miraculously to feed a crowd of thousands. And during the night, he moves to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and the next day, the people that were fed the previous day find out Jesus has gone to the other side of the lake, and so they go to the other side to meet Jesus again, and he wants to know why they have come. They say, we want to see a those that challenged who he was, we want to see, a, see you do a work. Jesus says, you're not here to see any of that. You're just here for another free lunch. I fed you yesterday. You're hungry again today. He says to the crowd in John chapter 6, verse 29, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he sent. You want to see a work? Believe in me. And they said to him, well, then what sign do you do so that we can see and believe you? What work do you perform? Thomas was not the first person ever to say in the life or the ministry of Jesus, unless I see it with my own eyes, I won't believe it. There were people who saw Jesus literally, miraculously feed thousands and still said, we'd like to see a sign. There are some who say, not only unless I see it with my eyes, will I believe it, but there are those who say, even if I see it with my eyes, I'll never believe it. Unless I see it, I won't believe it, says Thomas. Jesus says to Thomas, though, after appearing to him, believing without seeing is truly living. I won't believe it unless I see it. Jesus says, well, believing without seeing is truly living. Eight days after Jesus appeared to the disciples at First Resurrection Sunday, presumably again on the first day of the week, the disciples are all gathered together again, as we see in verse 26 of our passage today, gathered together in in uh, again in that same room that they were in before. The doors are locked again, and Jesus appears again. Now, his appearance this time, a week later, is nearly exactly the same way as he appeared the previous week, except now Thomas is there. Look at all the details and, and compare them with what we saw in verses 19 through 23. Again, it's the first day of the week. The doors are locked again. The disciples are in the room by themselves, and Jesus appears. He doesn't knock on the door. He doesn't give a password. He doesn't have an extra copy of a key to get in. He just appears in the room and greets them the same way as he did in the previous verses. Peace be with you. It is abundantly clear and abundantly evident that Jesus is providing for Thomas, the one who said, unless I see, I will never believe. He's providing for Thomas all of the same conditions, the exact same scenario for his appearance as the other disciples had a week before. 
so as to say, Thomas, I'm going to appear to you the same way that I appeared to the other disciples so that you will have no doubt that I am the same one that appeared then as now. And seeing this, the incredibly gracious and compassionate approach of Jesus to this doubting disciple. He gives Thomas everything that he needs in this moment to believe. He doesn't just show up again. He doesn't show up to Thomas privately. He shows up to Thomas in the gathering of all of the other disciples in the exact same way that the, that the disciples a week prior said, he came and, and appeared to us. Now, let's be honest. If all of this a week prior were a prank by the disciples, like the 10 that were remaining, like, hey, this will be funny. Tommy wasn't here. <laughs> I know Jesus only died like three days ago, but when Tommy shows up, let's tell him. Let's tell him we saw Jesus. He'll be hilarious. If this is all a prank by the disciples, if Jesus was not raised and they're just having some fun at the expense of their gullible friend, this would be the most despicable act of dishonesty ever perpetrated upon a friend or upon the world. Jesus shows up in the room with Thomas there. and He goes to Thomas. He's already appeared to the other disciples. He doesn't have anything new to say to them. But he goes to Tommy. He says, put your finger here. See my hands. You wanted to put your finger in the holes in my hands. Here, do it. Put out your hand. Put it in my, in my side in the place where that soldier thrust the spear. Go ahead, do it. Everything you need to see, Thomas, everything. It's right here. Do it. Do it. And then he says to Thomas, do not disbelieve, but believe. Literally, Jesus is saying, do not be disbelieving, but believing. The call of Jesus is not just to to give cognitive assent to the fact that he has been raised. He's not saying believe a fact of history. He's saying enter into a state of being. That is to be a believing person. Is to be one who doesn't just have a a belief in in a fact or an event of history, but one who, who is of a believing nature. In this way, belief in Christ, belief for the Christian, faith for all of those who call themselves Christian is to be the kind of faith that shapes our thought life and our behaviors and our actions forever. To say, I believe that D-Day happened is not the same as saying, I believe Jesus was raised from the dead. And if we say, I believe Jesus was raised from the dead with the same sort of just factual recognition that we say, I believe D-Day happened, then we have fundamentally misunderstood the implications of Jesus' resurrection. To believe in Jesus is to recognize all of the other spiritual realities that go along with his resurrection. To believe that Jesus was raised from the dead is to believe that he died three days prior for the sins of the world. And that because he died for sins, that sins are something that require death. It is to notice that, as Jesus points out, all of us have sinned. All of us have rebelled against God. All of us have said to our loving creator, I'll do life my own way, thank you. To believe that Jesus was raised from the dead requires recognizing that we need salvation. We need redemption. We need rescue from the perilous place that we have put ourselves under the judgment of a holy and a just God. To believe that Jesus was raised from the dead is not simply to say, I believe a dead man came to life. When Jesus says to Thomas, don't be disbelieving, but believing, what he's saying is, have your heart, have your mind, have your desires changed by the reality 
that I died for sins and am standing before you victoriously today. Believe not just that I'm standing before you today, but believe all that me standing before you means for you. That I am God, that I am King, that I am Lord, that I have paid the price of your sins and I am raised again. And Thomas, now being a believing one, worships. He says five words to Jesus, my Lord and my God. This is a declaration of the divinity of Jesus. Jesus is not just a good teacher. He's not just a talented Jewish rabbi that God has blessed by resuscitating him. When Thomas says, my Lord and my God, he is confessing that Jesus is God in human flesh, fully divine, totally human, absolutely victorious over death. This is a statement of worship of the only true God standing before him. And Jesus says to Thomas, Tommy, have you believed because you've seen? Do you believe just because you see me? Now, this is a rhetorical question. It's, Jesus isn't looking for an answer from Thomas. What he's asking is, is what your eyes perceive? Is this the only reason that you have faith? Is this really the only reason that you believe that I'm risen? Now, in reality, I think the, the answer is no. For Thomas, Thomas was already a disciple. I think he was already disposed to believe, but now seeing Jesus, this confirms what he has already believed, that he was the Messiah, that he is raised from the dead. But still, Jesus asks, asks this question, will you never, no, never believe unless you see? This is a question that's not necessarily just to Thomas, but it's a question to all of us who read this verse today. Will you never, really, no, never believe unless you see? Let's be honest, there are a lot of things that none of us have ever seen that we believe exist. I've never seen an atom with my own eyes, and yet I believe that it is the basic building block of all matter in the universe. Believe it or not, I was not alive during World War I. Neither were any of you. None of us saw the devastation that took place across the globe during that great war, and yet we believe that it happened. Why? Because we have eyewitness testimony. To it. We have letters that were written to wives and girlfriends and children and mothers and fathers by soldiers that were deployed. We have photographs of what was taking place there. We have stories from credible witnesses that it all took place. Jesus says, will you never, no, never believe unless you see? Your ten best friends, Thomas, told you that they saw me last week. The eleven disciples dear friend this morning, have said, we saw him. Will you never, no, never believe unless you see Jesus too? It is true, we believe in lots of things that we've never seen. And it's a philosophical point, sure, but it's still true. There are plenty of things that we believe to be real, that we believe are true, even though we've not witnessed them with our own eyes, even not, we've not seen them uh, personally, even though we cannot touch them with our own hands, we still believe that they are real. And the call goes out to all of us today in light of the eyewitness testimony of these disciples, and not only these, but the 500 others that Jesus appeared to that Paul tells us about in 1 Corinthians 15, and the many resurrection appearances that took place that, that took place. Uh, after Jesus was raised from the dead, there is, there is abundant, credible testimony. And still Jesus asks, because we need to answer, will you never, no, never believe unless you see me? 
And then he gives a response to that rhetorical question. It's not an answer to the question. It turns a conversation a different way. He said, blessed are those, happy are those. Fool in life in God are those who have not seen and still believed. Now, this is not a dig at Thomas. Jesus isn't saying, you sucker. No, it's not a dig at Thomas, but it's a promise for those who come after him. This much is true. Jesus won't appear to everybody physically in this life. He won't. He appears to the disciples because they need to see him risen from the dead. There must be eyewitness testimony to to his resurrection, to the fact that he is no longer in the tomb and that his body wasn't stolen. There need to be some who saw it with their own eyes so that they can tell the world, we saw it. It's real. And Jesus says, blessed, happy in God are all of those who believe, not because they've seen, but because they believe because of the testimony of those who have. Unless I see with my own eyes, I'll never believe it, says Thomas. Well, Tommy, says Jesus, believing without seeing is truly living. John, the gospel writer, interjects in the last two verses of our text this morning, the last two, jap- chap- the last two verses of John chapter 20, that says you can believe. You who are reading this, wherever you are, whenever you are, you can believe and live because we have seen. Thomas says, unless I see it, I won't believe it. John says, you can believe it because we've seen it. John is writing this gospel to subsequent generations of disciples of Jesus, people who never saw Jesus with their own eyes. And he is telling them as an eyewitness of all that he saw with his own eyes Jesus do and say and how he was raised victoriously from the dead. He is writing to subsequent generations of disciples, us today, dear friends, who have not seen Jesus with our own eyes to say, we have seen him. You can trust us, believe in him and live. We have seen him. We are telling you, John is saying, that the resurrection of Jesus changes everything forever. Jesus did many other signs, many other miracles in the presence of the disciples. So many that John couldn't write them all in one book. He says in verse 31, but I've written these. I've written these so that you can believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Belief in Jesus changes everything forever. Belief in Jesus leads to life in his name, says John. You don't have to see him to believe him. You can can believe him because of the credible witness of those who have seen him. But believing him, understand this morning, friends, believing him does not mean simply saying, yes, he was raised from the dead. Believing him means placing your trust in him, resting your life in his hands, coming to him as Lord, as commander of your soul. We don't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead the same way that we believe that certain events of history took place. No, we believe that Jesus was raised from the dead in a way that transforms our, our thoughts, our desires, our actions. Because believing that Jesus is raised from the dead requires us to believe that he died for a reason. And the reason that the scriptures state is that he died to pay the penalty for our sins, which means our sins are a real problem. Such a problem that the sinless son of God had to die to make payment for all of them in full. Believing that Jesus was raised from the dead after dying for sins recognizes that he is God, he is king, he is Lord, and I am not. Believing in him says, Lord Jesus, I submit to you. My life is yours. 
Change me forever. Make me to be something other than the sinner I know that I am. Put me in a right relationship with God the Father. Bring me to Him. You said that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no other way to the Father. I believed you were ra- I believe you were raised from the dead, and so I believe you are the way. Change me forever. That's what belief in Jesus looks like. And that's why John can say, when you believe in Jesus, there is life in His name. Christian, this morning, I want to encourage you to know that you have good reason to believe. Good reason to to have confidence in the changed life that you display by faith in Jesus. You have good reason to believe because of what the disciples saw. Because of what they saw. They don't make up a story so they can get rich and famous and popular in the world. In fact, the absolute opposite happens to the disciples. They start telling people Jesus was raised from the dead, and all of a sudden, they're social pariahs. They are outcasts. They're the objects of persecution in their own day. Dear Christian, you can have confidence today in your trust in the risen Jesus because people who had everything in this world to lose lost everything for that, for that declaration. They said losing everything in this world is, is absolutely worth believing Jesus was raised from the dead. You can have confidence to believe because they have seen. Friend, you here this, here this morning, you may not be a Christian, may not yet be a follower of Jesus. This morning I say to you that because there is good reason to believe, you can. Because there are credible eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus, even those who previously doubted. Because there is good witness, good evidence to the resurrection of Jesus, you can believe that he was raised. And by believing in him, placing your life in his hands, you can have life in his name. Your life can be transformed. You can be free from the guilt and shame of past sins. You can enter into an abundant life with God, your loving creator. Because you believe in Jesus, on the eyewitness of those who saw him raised, your life can be changed, not just today and not just for tomorrow, but forever. Jesus said in John 3.16 that God loved the world in this way that he sent his one and only son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. There's a promise of life in Jesus, abundant life today and eternal life after we die in the presence of God. Friend, if you've not trusted Jesus today, you can. You can. And you have good reason to. Not merely believing the facts that he was raised from the dead, but believing that they are facts that change your life. Have your life changed. Receive life today by believing in Jesus, the one who was raised from the dead. It's as simple as this. Recognizing in your own heart, praying quietly before God in your own way, recognizing that God is holy and just and good and perfect, that he made you for the purpose of, of being in a relationship of love and service and worship to Him. And recognizing that, you also recognize that you are not holy like God is, that you have sins, you have moral indiscretions in your life that need forgiving. As you pray in the quiet of your heart, express your sorrow to God for the way that you have offended and rebelled against His perfect holiness and perfect goodness. And then even as you express sorrow for your sin, turn in joy to Jesus your sinless substitute who died to pay the full penalty of your sin on the cross and was raised in victory to give you life as you believe in him.
Friend, you can become a Christian today. You can be a believing one today if you place your life in the hands of the risen Savior to be changed by him forever. I invite you to do that today. Most weeks, I greet folks outside as we're dismissed. Today, I'm going to stay in here this morning. And after we're dismissed, I invite you to come if you have questions about what it means to be a believer to be one who trusts in the resurrected Jesus. You come and talk with me. Pastor Danny will be here as well. We would love nothing more this morning than to share with you the hope that comes in knowing Christ and the life that there is in his name. Don't leave here today apart from a relationship with the risen and reigning Lord Jesus. Believe him today. Be changed forever. Let us pray that God would do so in our hearts.